a broke single mom who'd been fired from Denny's go on to become America's most sought-after real estate investor. Hold on to your seats as you are about to go on a wild ride that results in you being a superstar. Dwan Twyberg, a.k.a. Wonderful, is about to blow your mind. The most wonderful real estate podcast ever promises to be your go-to podcast for everything that life has to offer. You are entering the Wonderful Zone. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. I am your host, Dwan Ben Twyford, America's most sought-after real estate investor. And our motto over here at Wonderful is people before profits. So if that resonates with you, you are at the right place. And today we're doing another episode of Inside the Minds of Today's Millionaires. And for those of you that are following this series, you know that I ask some of the most insane questions to people. Um, Less about what they do, more about how they got where they are. Because I know a lot of you listening, especially if you listen to a lot of podcasts, you hear the same people answer the same 10 questions. And like, really seriously, how boring is that? Uh, But I'm more interested in how somebody got where they're at, because you may be sitting there thinking like, man, if I just had like this one little nugget, that might be the thing that catapults you to the next level for yourself. So we go back and find out what's inside the minds of today's millionaires. And my guest today is Mr. Scott Carson. Scott, how are you today? I am doing great, Juan. Wonderful to be here. I love that. The most wonderful person out there, most wonderful investor out there. So honored to be here. Wonderful. I love it. I love it. We all need to be an adjective. That's it. We do. We do. Yeah, I, I spent a long time trying to think of like, what am I going to call my podcast? And then I was like, you know what? I should just do a play on my name because there's nobody named Dwan. So I thought I'll be wonderful and Dwantastic and all this funny stuff. And then I kind of sort of did it as a joke. And I thought, well, that's funny. But then now like everyone's like, oh my God, wonderful. <laughs> Branding at its finest. I had to right make my hair pink so that my hair goes with my name now. <laughs> I love so. it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so now it's just all kinds of crazy. So, all right. So, um, oh, so first we'd like to start off having drinks with Juan. And what are we having today, Scott? I have a cup of coffee with a little cream hey. in it this morning here. Cheers. Yeah. Salud. Cheers, everybody. Cheers to you, Scott. Cheers to you, too. All right, my family, my wonderful family. You know, we take a deep breath. Kind of shake off whatever we got going on. We have something to drink and we have a conversation. And it's time for you to open your mind and just listen and learn and take some great notes and have fun with me and Scott today. So I am super excited to have you on today. Um, so I first I want you to kind of give us a summary of like what you do now and how people can reach you because I, I want to make sure you're in the show notes a bunch of times. So give us like the summary of. You know, who is Scott Carson? What are you doing? How do we reach you? And then we're going to figure out how you got here. So basically, we just want to know, like, what's your deal? <laughs> well, I call, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I am uh, I call Austin, Texas home. So I, I love living here in the Lone Star. Although I do love where you're at today in God's waiting room in Florida as well, too. So it's my, my <laughs> it's second home. But, room. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's I, the last I'm known across the country as the note guy because for the last really 13 years, 13 plus years, I focused on buying distressed debt, distressed mortgages, and and working 
as I like to say, to keep people in their houses, you know, yeah. turning problem properties into profitable solutions. And, you know, I used to be a mortgage broker, financial advisor, but uh, started uh, a mortgage company with a buddy of mine back in 2004 through 2008. And when everything hit the fan, as we all know, in 2008, I jumped ships from the origination side to the distressed debt side. And so that's what I've been doing for the last 13 years is buying distressed debt, buying mortgages on residential commercial properties, uh, primarily trying to keep people in their houses, modifying right. loans. Um, but we'll get into talking a little bit more about foreclosures and subject twos and all that good stuff. But that's basically what I've been doing the last 13 years, about over a billion dollars in distressed debt. Um, wow, a billion. Over a billion dollars in distressed debt. And what I'm most proud of, though, is helping other investors and, and be becoming financially stable, financially wealthy. You know, that's a huge passion for you and Bill both out there. Right. And, that, and that's one of the things. Originally, when I got started back as a real estate investor, I flopped, fell flat on, flat on my face, was facing <laughs> you know, financial ruin. You know, and I think we all learn from those mistakes and those flops. And so I empathize with people that are behind their mortgage or especially today in today's market. There's a lot of people that are struggling out there. Don't believe everything that you read in the newspapers. But, uh, oh, I know that, you know, that's what I've done. We've taught a couple thousand people how to buy distressed debt who have bought hundreds and hundreds. We've helped thousands of Americans stay in their house or, you know, rebuild, regrow that American dream from it. You know, when, buying a house is American dream a lot of times. And a lot of times yeah. it can turn into a nightmare. And we've been able to kind of kill the Freddy Kruegers out there. So that's no, basically. No, they're Freddy Kruegers. <laughs> love that nightmare on elm street oh my god right am i showing my age now that i know that you and me both you and me both Dawn. <laughs> i remember when those movies first came out i went and saw that movie i was terrified i was like i am not a horror fan i can't do that genre i just get like too weird and freaked out jumping around i get jumpy in my own house and i just i can't do it i, I watch the walking dead that's about as far as i can go <laughs> Walking Dead is like the top of the limit for me. So, there you, uh, go. you know, I like, I, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, easiest way is through our website, weclosenotes.com. I mean, that's one of the big things. Uh, easy, you can find out. You know, I've got a podcast with Dwan on there as well. Her episode will be coming out shortly or maybe out already. Uh, but, you know, weclosenotes.com on most social handles, I'm at one Scott Carson. Uh, I'm pretty much the only one Scott Carson out there, except for an English soccer player who's a goalkeeper in, in England. But for the most part, if you Google the note guy or one Scott Carson, you're going to find me out there in any social media and the websites. So, uh, well, I am so happy that you're on. And I see it also says talkwithscottcarson.com in your thing there. So if you're watching, you can see Scott has a, a site there as well. And then, of course, you'll be in the show notes. And, and my girl Hannah puts you in the show notes three or four different places. And we make sure your link is there when the podcast comes out. So I want everyone to find out about you. Now, the thing I really love about you um, is the note thing. When you, I remember when we first started talking, so you are not a guy that, that goes into these giant hedge funds and just buys a bunch of notes. You actually buy the notes and help restructure people's payments and like maybe keep them in their property. Yeah, we, we usually target do target owner-occupied yeah. notes. We're dealing directly. Yeah, I love that. So will you explain just to everybody what that means? Because I've, I still feel like today when people hear the word, oh, we buy notes, that it's like some hedge fund bank. And I don't think people, I don't think the average investor thinks they can play in like the note field. I, don't you think so? You know, a lot of people who have watched the big short, the movie out there, they often think it's that way that you've got to have a minimum of five million or 10 yeah. million or 100 million 
Because think- you, you, you see all these news things like Fannie Mae selling 100,000 loans or Goldman Sachs jumping into the, you know, buying 26,000 on performing notes. And that's, yeah, you, you have those big dogs out there. Now, that's great, but there's a lot of crumbs, as I like to say, that fall through yep. the cracks. So we buy, I mean, I've bought big portfolios of a couple hundred assets before notes. But honestly, most of your blue collar real estate investors that are buying notes are buying one, two, three non-performing notes at a time. They're not buying from the Bank of America's, the Chase's, the Cities, the Wells Fargo's, but they are buying from the smaller lending institutions, some of the smaller investors like me who have a portfolio that we're constantly buying and selling, buying from servicing companies. So when I talk about buying a note, I'm talking about buying actually the physical mortgage that is collateralized by the house. And a lot of investors are buying first mortgages mm-hmm. and some are buying second or junior liens. Now, second space is kind of dried up a little bit because there's not been that many originated over the last 10 years. Right. And values have gone up quite a bit. You used to be able to buy seconds for like pennies on the dollar when everything was upside down. But these days, the real play is buying uh, first liens and, you know, senior mortgages. And that's what I do. I'm buying one-offs. I bought from, and I bought in an apartment. I bought it on self-storage facilities, hotels. Uh, I even bought a a boatload of boat debt back in the day. You know, you can buy (laughs) loans on uh, vehicles, you know, you can buy in credit card debt. But what we primarily stick to 99.9% of the time was, was we're buying loans on residential and commercial properties. And then our biggest goal is not to take the property back. That's actually the, one of our least profitable measures. Our most profitable space is actually to work with the, the homeowner, the, the property owner, trying to get them to modify, trying to get back on a payment plan, start back over, kind of give them that reset button to kind of shake off whatever bad thing happened, whether they went through a divorce, uh, you know, job layoff, you know, business shutting down, whatever it might be. We really want to give them a helping hand out of that hole that they've dug because everybody goes through financial hiccups. You know what I mean? Oh, we all do. Yeah. I think that's part of the reason I, I've done so well as a real estate investor because I, I went through a divorce. I lost my husband, my house, and my car. All of it. And I had an eight-month-old baby, and I was like, mm, now what am I going to do? Right. <laughs> so I, well, I get it. So I, I just want to kind of give an example because we we went through, and I haven't done it for, a, you know, I'm excited to talk to you because I, I feel excited about notes again. I haven't um, bought any notes for a minute because my husband and I, you know, Bill, we um, bought a bunch of buildings in a, a town in Clinton, Iowa, and we're literally rehabbing a town. We have 15 buildings. <laughs> so, I love it. I, I've just been so like in the zone on doing that. But but a few years back, we were finding notes, um, like maybe someone in Ohio, for example, like, you know, or the Rust Belt area. And maybe yep. a homeowner had a note that, oh, 50000 it was, you know, a servicing agent or whatever. And we would call that homeowner and say, hey, you know, how much can you afford a month? How much can you put down? And basically just lower their payment and restructure and then let them stay in their house. Is that kind of what you guys are doing? Yeah, we have a, a nationwide servicing company. So once we buy, I mean, once we buy the debt, then we then we reach out to borrowers to figure out what they can afford. But the, the beautiful thing is that we're able really to see beneath the kimono, I guess you say, beneath what's going on with the investor, because we're not only seeing what's going on with the property, we see all the servicing notes, what they've said, how they've been friendly to the servicer. Yeah. Uh, we look at the collateral files, you know, to see, okay, what kind of payment plans, if they've sent in a hardship letter trying to do a loan modification, or they sent in a short sale package, or they've tried to list a property for sale in the past. That tells you a lot about what's going on. But it also, when you look at the property, how has it been ma- maintained? Do they have kids? Do you see toys outside? Do you see landscaping? 
The emotional equity side plays just another big critical part in what we do. I don't really like to buy vacant properties because they've usually been, you know, trashed out or there's going to be something major to that. And I like to avoid rehabs. I want to have systems in place. So we try to get the reason we like owner occupied. It gives us the most amount of exit strategies. And so, yeah, I, I, I just love that. Like you just don't even know. Like it's honestly, it's when I when I first came across you, I was just so excited about that because it's just been a minute since I've seen anyone on this side of it. Yeah, they're just like, oh, you know, buy my program for you know twenty five thousand bucks, and you can join us in the hedge fund. And it's like, but that, but the average person can't do that. Right. And what you're talking about, just an investor with just a little bit of money and maybe your system. And they could get involved in the note game and create monthly income for themselves without actually being a landlord. Yeah, and that's that's the thing too is money is always that you know, it's always that mind block that people have. They look at their bank accounts and if I got five hundred bucks, I can't go buy a note. And I know you're a big believer in this. You can build both. If the, if the deal makes sense and you know how to market, get the word out, there is money out there. And yep. most people don't realize that a lot of self-directed IRA companies their biggest percentage of money that's lent out out of self-directed IRAs is actually in paper or in notes. Either they've originated stuff or they've actually bought performing notes or non-performing notes. And that's actually about 66% of the time it's in paper. Yeah, real estate's great, but there are so many investors out there looking for a great deal. And and with there being an influx of distressed debt, I mean, I've been buying nonstop since 2008. So there's been- Have you been going insane buying with COVID? Oh my you know, gosh! I mean, I don't know that there's a lot. That I, I don't know because I know on the on the the retail side, everyone's buying like crazy. But by the time this podcast comes out, the bank will have stopped the extension unless they extend it again. And I feel like there's just going to be this massive wave of people that have kind of just been living off of this for a while, and they're going to really get caught with their pants down. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing you look at. You look at the national default rate right now. We're at 4.2%, which is double over double what it was pre-COVID. I mean, it's not where it was back in April of last year, where it was at 8.22. But before COVID, Don, I mean, every one out, of, one out of nine borrowers in America was already at least 30 days behind their mortgage pre-COVID. Okay. And it's peaked. I mean, in some parts like Southern California, it's one every three or at least like 30 to 90 days behind. Yeah. Okay. So there's always been people struggling. And yes, you've, you're going to see a, a spike in foreclosures. Um, and it's going to be varied across the country as different states open up and as different states have different foreclosure timeframes. You know, like Texas, we do everything fast here in like 21 days versus you New do. York, <laughs> which is like three years in New York. But The thing is, is we're already seeing an influx of banks and lenders sending over distressed uh, lists of notes to us. And that's the beautiful thing is as note investors, we often see deals six to 12 months before it hits the retail markets, the foreclosure markets, the MLS. So that gives us a lot of time to, you know, get on the phone with a borrower once we buy the debt and try to structure something that makes sense. And and if they won't play ball in one of 10 different strategies. Then we'll go the legal route and and continue or start the foreclosure process and go from there. I mean, sometimes you have to, though. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes yep. you have to. So you guys do the note side. You also do subject twos. I'm a huge subject two fan. I love it. I oh love subject twos because I it's have such... met like three people this week on podcasts that are like super into subject twos, and I'm just always so excited because you just don't hear a lot of investors teaching subject two, but it's like yeah. such a great side of the industry. Well, you look at what's going on right now. You've got oh. such low interest rates. Even oh. if a house is over encumbered, you've got such low interest rates. If your mortgage payment, your, your full PITI is less than market rent, 
you've got an opportunity to step in there and either a take over a house that you don't have to qualify for if you're looking for an owner rock or come in and do a wraparound mortgage owner finance it or put a tenant in place and just hang on while the property appreciates in value for a lot of times but we i we're probably one of the few note companies that's actually encouraging our borrowers who are behind who can't give them a loan payment plan. Like, listen, if you have somebody who wants to take over the mortgage, we'll let you sell it subject to, or let your friends or family member come in and take over the mortgage. We'll just, we're good with that. So yeah, I love right. subject to deals. It's, it's people, it, it, it all comes down to marketing. I think a lot of people, you know, they like watching HGTV and don't realize <laughs> that you got, that's not the way real estate works most of the time that you actually yeah. have to get out and market and talk to people. Right. I love HGTV, but I feel like HGTV has done such a disservice to the real estate investing industry because everybody's like, oh, we're going to fix and flip it. It's like, okay, that's called rehabbing. So when someone hears the word flip now, they think, well, I have to have money. It's like, no, that's wholesaling, 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 flipping. You don't need any money. Like this, the note buying the subject too is like, nobody knows those things. They just watch TV. You got to buy it. You got to tear down all the walls, do a massive reconstruction and then sell it. It's like, not like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although I do love the shows. I watch all the shows. I, I love me some Property Brothers. <laughs> Those two boys are so damn cute. I don't even know. Just, hey, where's Bill at now? Come on now. Oh, my Lord. No, he knows. He knows. I'm like, hey, this is our dad. My secret precious to both of <laughs> But it is because it, it has people interested in investing thinking that the industry is something that's really not. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like, I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like for us, I think you do too. Um, I feel like our industry for me is more about actually helping people. Yeah. It's helping people that are in trouble. They're losing their house, but it's helping people that also want to work for themselves. They want to start their own career. Like I feel like, you know, we're sort of matchmaking with the houses and, the, you know, people losing in houses and the people coming in, the investors. And I feel like we're in like a service industry. So I, I've been quoted and called by business uh, uh, business insiders, you know, the Wall Street Journal, as the Chuck Woolery of ugly paper, you know, as the, you know, <laughs> the match game of finding investors to take over properties or, or working with deals out there. So it's funny that you say that. I said that at an investment club and people looked at me. It was kind of a younger crowd. And they're like, who's Chuck Woolery? I was like, oh, forget it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I love Chuck Woolery. I love that show. <laughs> Lord, that, but it is that is exactly kind of what you guys are doing. So I, I love that. And so you've been doing this note side for about thirteen years. Yep, I started in two thousand eight when everything hit the fan. Sold my half of my, the mortgage company. I started for a buck because that was about all it was worth at that time wow. when the big meltdown took place. And oh, uh, just started, that. just started dialing for dollars. It took me fifty five phone calls of dialing banks before I got a hold of one that said yes. And I made 50 grand off that deal. It took a, a month and a half to do, but 50 grand after getting 49 no's. I know most people would give up after the first one, but I realized that there's opportunity out there and you just have to really pick up the phone and just kind of you know reach out to bankers. That's the one thing that's unique about note investing, especially on the non-performing side, is we don't do mm-hmm. a lot of direct mail campaigns. We actually, they don't work with what we do because no. we're we're not dealing with borrowers on the front end. Or, um, we're dealing with banks. You don't like the you're talking with bankers, we're using LinkedIn, email, and phone calls to really just find out what they have. And that's the beauty I, I really like about it is that if I make a connection with a bank, they might have a deal now, but they'll have a deal in a month or in a quarter. And oftentimes it's just not one. It may be a portfolio of like a 20 notes, or it might be, I got one yesterday of 4,500 notes 
that wow. I can share you. Tell me that again. You said LinkedIn, what? I use LinkedIn, phone calls. I mean, we'll, we'll jump on LinkedIn and start reaching out to secondary marketing managers, nice. whole loan traders. You know, they have specific names of these yeah. departments that handle the note sales. They do. So What's that just, department called? Uh, special assets department, secondary marketing department. Whole loan trading for some of your funds. And then in you're dealing with the smaller regional banks, they may go by the chief credit risk officer for a specific bank. Nice. Nice. But, and you just got one with 4,500 uh, defaulted loans. So, so everyone is listening. If you don't know what we mean by defaulted loan, it means the people are not paying the payments. So it's a non-performing asset in the bank's point of view. So you just got yeah. 4,500 in one uh, lump. One lump. I can share you pick these. They're anywhere from six months defaulted to 37 months defaulted, where they haven't paid anywhere from six months to over three years. Wow. And, you know, they'll go from anywhere from like the ones that are barely non-performing. Some of them have got some forbearance agreements, modifications. Those be in the 90% of what's owed, but there's a lot of equity. The others that are much heavier defaulted, I'll get probably, I'll, well, I have my bid going in this morning on a big chunk of them for at roughly 50 cents on the dollar of what's owed. Nice. So. Well, you can't go wrong with that. I just love what you guys do. How old are you? Uh, I turned 44 here in about a month. So. Oh, 44. You're such a pop still. <laughs> it's because I keep my hair short. If I had to grow out, it gets pretty gray. If I were growing oh. up here, it'd be like almost all silver and black. So that's why I keep the young cut here going. <laughs> I would too. Yeah, I got to tell you, when all the COVID started, I couldn't get my hair done. And it, I've been coloring my hair forever. I, so I like, you know, I'm just going to let my hair grow out. I'm just going to be, you know, Mother Earth hair. Well, after it got about that long and I saw all the gray, I was like, okay, not happening. I, was, I didn't realize I had just so much gray. It's like, it's over half. I was like, oh my God, I cannot be some weird gray-haired old lady. So I went to complete well, opposite ended up with pink hair. Well, but, I, you know, the pink is a, it's it's a brandy statement. I mean, I shaved my head bald. We, we trimmed it with some clippers and shaved it bald for about a month or two until the, uh, my, the hair cutter, he opened back up and would go out there. But, uh, you know, I got to give props to my, my, you know, my significant other here, Stephanie. She does a pretty good job cutting my hair. I love it. Times. It's funny yeah. because I've been doing real estate for 30 years. I've got best sellers. I've been on TV. My name, And now everyone's like, oh, my God, I want to be that girl with the pink hair. It's like, <laughs> really? After all that, all that stuff I have in the background, it's like they want to talk to the girl with the pink hair. Well, how does that become my thing? <laughs> it is here's the, the one thing I want to put this out there for everybody out there because it is it's it's extra. That's that little bit extra that helps you stand out for the crowd. And if you've ever read Seth Godin's book Tribes, he talks about that we all have different tribes of people and community yeah. and people that follow us, and they're all looking for leaders. And these days, leadership is standing up and doing something different. Everybody's going trying to do the least amount to get by or find success. And you're never going to find success doing the bare minimum. And no. when you do something to stand out from the crowd, whether it's coloring your hair or you're doing videos, you're being goofy or being yourself. Oh my God, such originality. Let's be yourself <laughs> these days, right? That stands out from the crowd. We don't need cookie cutters. We don't need another hundred Gary Vaynerchuks. Okay. <laughs> we need you to you be know, you. And that's so the true. beauty of it. It's, you know, Bill and I speak, I know you do too. We speak at a lot of uh, multi-speaker events. Yep. And whenever they have a panel, I always tell the Bill and I say to each other, like, everyone looks like a cardboard cutout. We got, you know, 10 people on the panel 
and they're almost all guys, and they yep. all have the conservative head, and they have a suit and a tie. And honestly, you should just stick a different head on a cardboard cutout, and it would be the entire panel. And then there's me with like the crazy hair. Bill's wearing his sunglasses inside, and a long blonde, you know. And I'm like, we definitely stand out. <laughs> but well, and that's the, <laughs> and, and 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 the most important thing. And here's the thing too: you you want to talk to people that are approachable. Too many times they are that stiff, and I think I know shit. I've been doing this for just a year and I've done one deal. And I know everything. You, look, that's the thing, everybody. I don't want to wear a suit and tie. I'll be wearing my Star Wars T-shirt or I'll be wearing a Robert Graham or chilling out. You know, that's the thing. I'm, I'm just a normal guy and I'm, I'll tell it like it is. I don't want to yeah. be the cookie cutter thing. You know, sometimes you no, do. do, 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 do it's but, funny. Bill wears uh, only Robert Graham shirts. Yep. He is so addicted since he got his first one. And, and you know, it's funny because... Uh, the very first one he bought was some special edition. It was like 500 yeah. It was real expensive. Yeah. And he called me. He's like, listen, I don't know. You know, this shirt's cost so much money. I'm like, honey, spend the money on his hobby. It's just shirt. I was like, listen, you make so much money. Like he just sort of had this thing about like spending a giant. And he's just the guy that spends on everybody, but not on himself. Right. And I was like, you know what? Buy the shirt. I think it's beautiful. He sent me a picture. He tried it on at Macy's. I was like, no, you got to buy the shirt. So he bought it and then he's like, oh, I got to be so careful. And now he's just like, they're wired up in a ball. It's like a hundred of them, you know? <laughs> but he, but, you know, weirdly, as much money as he had, he had to break that mental barrier yep. that it was okay to spend $400 on a single shirt. Yeah. And now he's got closets and that's the only thing. It's Robert Gray. And I was like, look at you. <laughs> you know, and that's the beautiful thing about that is we've got, I've got a bunch of those shirts as well. And that's what I like to wear if I'm traveling for the most part of speaking. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it, it's your, it's, it kind of cross a suit and tie isn't Billy's days. You know, yeah. it is the Robert Graham. He's a rock star real you know, investor, real estate investor. You know, yeah. your pink hair is you, Yeah. you know, it's, it's not that it's not what, and that's the thing I think most people don't realize out there is everybody has a different kind of drum that we or beat that we have to beat our own drum to. I think and you have to find somebody you, you know, understand with when you're listening out there. You don't have to do everything the same. It's OK to be unique and stand out because actually if there's enough people that are trying to be the same minions of people out there. Be yourself. Add a little flair to it. And then that's actually What's so great about podcasts and videos, and I'm sure you've seen this already, is that people will listen to you and they'll identify. They'll build rapport with you because you're actually not the same as everybody else. Yeah. And that's so critical, and we need that so much. I mean, everybody's so tired of Zoom meetings and is the same old, same old. Anytime you can be fresh, whether you're drinking with Dawn, okay? Or, Dawn. Dawn, sorry. My apologies. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. People from the South do that quite a bit. <laughs> actually, people from the South add a syllable. It's Dawan. <laughs> yeah. That might be okay. Alabama. Hey, Dawan, one word. Now, every all, all my Southern buddies, everybody, like Texas, Georgia, anywhere, they, they add a whole entire syllable. <laughs> they call me Dawan. I'm like, hey, <laughs> don't call me late for dinner, right? And that old That's thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I love your energy. I just really love what you're doing. And, and for the folks that are listening, I'm telling you, it's just like notes are such. It's just such a neat, fun way to make money. And there's it's different. You know, if you don't want to do the rehabbing, you don't want to be the landlord, even the subject twos, you still have to really follow. There's a lot of follow-up with a lot of that stuff, you know, still. Um, and those, I think, are sort of like a missing link for a lot of people. I just feel like, in general, people don't think about that as a way to make money, but it is one of the most fun ways 
And it's really easy. Well, everybody gets so tied into the tangible side of real estate. They want to go out, they want to see it, they touch it, they want to pick out paint and carpet, they think. You know, no, you don't really want to do that because after a while, it's it's the same old, same old stuff like that. You don't want to deal with toilet stones and trash outs. Nobody calls the bank at 2 a.m. when little Timmy flushes his rubber ducky down the toilet. Nobody calls Bank <laughs> of America for the chase. Yeah. And a lot of people get scared investing outside of their market. I'm investing in roughly about 25 to 30 different states in a given time. Yeah, I will rarely jump on a plane and go look at properties. I will rely on vendors. There's a ton of vendors out there that do a lot of due diligence for us, putting eyes, ears on properties, stuff like that. So I don't have to jump on a plane. And, and a lot of people get scared of, oh, I can't touch it. I can't see it. I can't invest in it. Well, if you're in a market like Austin, Texas, where I am, where it's so freaking overpriced and we don't have a lot of distressed debt, what are you going to do for deals? You're going to yes, just sit exactly. here and wait around or you're going to go find where the deals are. And that's, you know, my markets have changed over the years as those markets have changed. Bought a lot in Florida back in the early, you know, late 2000s and yeah. God's waiting room. It's so funny. I haven't heard anybody say that for such a long time, but it really is. There's so many old people down here. I I, I, I Oh, my friend lives up. You know, you've heard of the villages, right? The big golf cart community. So my friend lives up there, and I just went to see her a few weeks ago. And like, you just forget. It's like, oh my gosh, so many. And then I think, hang on a minute. I'm officially a senior citizen. I am one (laughs) of the old people now. This year, when my birthday came around, I thought, oh my god, across the board, I am officially. In all walks of life, a senior citizen. I don't know how that happens. Are you getting your seizures? Have you gone into uh, your old uh, alma mater and gotten this, the, the Grand Slam senior discount yet? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I do. I do. I have to tell you. You know, it's funny. I went to Denny's. I still love, even though I got fired from Denny's, I, I still love to, yeah, I love their Grand Slams. Denny's makes, like, for real, the best breakfast. But I was there with my stepmom, like, like a year ago. No, like a few years back. And the girl came with the two menus. So she has like the regular Denny's man has a senior menu. So she hands the senior menu to my stepmother. And she looked at me and she kind of tilted her head. And then she handed me the senior menu. <laughs> like she was trying to decide. And I was like, seriously, you couldn't just hand me both? <laughs> and she's like, well, I was just trying to decide. But like you kind of threw me. But I think you're old enough. <laughs> I was like... Who does that? I said, listen, honey, let me tell you something about making tips here. If you're <laughs> questionable with a woman, hand her both. That's right. Let's do it because because I, I sort of me was like, because she was just sort of looked at me like she was just like, ah, yeah, you're old. <laughs> so funny. So um, where, now where were you raised? I grew up in South Texas down by Corpus Christi in a small town called Ingleside which is pretty much famous for the, if you're a football fan, the founder of the wishbone offense actually was a head coach there and uh, not much else new Naval station. My dad owned the local hardware store, opened it up when I was in, in fourth grade. So I grew up working around people and then uh, I have to give big thanks to my parents for work ethic. Yeah. From the time I was in the fourth grade on, I was, you know, you know, cutting pipe and keys and glass and running a register and working with people and then, and, and building customer service uh, habits from that time on. And so I grew up in a small town and, and really enjoyed it. It's right on the base, right across from Corpus Christi. And nice. you know, it was a great area to grow up with. But uh, after I graduated from there, I actually was fortunate enough. I had an academic and an athletic scholarship. I played football for a couple of years up outside of Dallas and did that for two years. So I got tired of that, took a year off to figure out what I wanted to do and ended up uh, going back to school on my own and paying my way through school and got a business degree. And First, I thought I wanted to be the next Dan Patrick from ESPN, you know, but the business and the entrepreneurial book has always been in my blood. And so that's kind of went the route I went. And 
I moved, uh, you know, moved to Austin, Texas in 2001. It's basically been home uh, almost the entire time, except for about, you know, three, three and a half years where I was traveling nonstop. I love across Austin. The you guys have such a great music scene down there in Austin. Holy cow, I love Austin. I have my you know, I, high school lives there. I love Austin. I hope it comes back. That is the oh. biggest thing. It has been hit so hard here with things, and so many artists have, uh, struggled and venues have closed. So it's, it's interesting to see as the city starts to open back up. I hope the uh, hope our city council can do some things. To- I hope so too. That's, that's always one of my favorite things in Austin. It's just that one big area there, that strip area. There's just so many clubs and live music. And I'm a, just a gigantic live music fan. Now, yeah, let, me just, let me share you some, some age right here. I remember being in Austin. So my best friend from high school ended up living in Austin. So back in my 30s, we went down to the that area, the music area. I don't know. I can't remember what it's called down there. Sixth Street. Down the Sixth yeah, Street. Sixth Street. Um, I saw the fabulous Thunderbirds. And I thought, man, that band is so good. They really ought to have a record out. And then, like, there they came out a little bit later. It's like, oh, I saw them in Austin. And I know people listening are like, who? Just YouTube it. <laughs> but I remember seeing them in one of the clubs and thinking, man, this band is so amazing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe you don't even know who they are. I might be really. Sorry. I do. I actually, when I was going to college at Texas State or Southwest Texas State, I worked at Gris- the Grisbill and Green Hall, which is Texas' oldest working dance hall. Okay. Yeah. So saw them play there. Saw Willie Nelson perform. Jerry oh. Jeff Walker. You know Pat Green. Uh, Little Texas. Little Richard actually oh saw him gosh. play there. Jerry Lee Lewis and his ma- his baby grand piano playing out there. You know, so love live music, grew up with that. And so, yeah, I've seen them, George Strait, you know, um, all all those Texas country guys, but also quite a bit of rock and roll rolling through there. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, uh, I'm just a really big, I'm just a really big music fan, but I'm especially, I love live. And I yeah. like those little bit, not that they're little bit, I mean, you have giant places out down on 6th Street, but um, just when people are in, you know, those, and I know a lot of really super famous people like to come back to that later. Because the intimacy is there, the music is there. Like you're really the crowd, just you feel the love off everybody, and ah, I love that. So well, I, I think want- you, I, I think with music musicians that make it, you know, and you say make it where they've got the big grand tour, they like the intimacy because it takes them back to the roots. It, get, it takes them back to kind of. Get, and I think investors often go that through. We get so rock and roll and, and want to go bigger, bigger, and then after a while we're like, eh, I don't really need so big. It's I lose a lot with my life and. Well, my intimacy of what I'm trying to go into, and we kind of have a tendency to scale it back, remove obstacles or distractions to be really more focused on what we want to do. So I awesome. agree because you know, Bill and I just always like go, 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 go. And then we started working, uh, we went back to his high school reunion in Clinton, Iowa. And so he, they, his high school, I can tell you, his high school is really solid. They have a reunion every five years. And I mean, 200 people, they all come. Wow. I was like, my school had a 10 year, a 20 year, and nothing till 40. My school's so lame, <laughs> but we we go every five years, and I'm seeing this little town. I mean, this town like needs some love, you know. And then this last reunion, we're like, we should see what's happening down here. This this is a little cute river town. It's on the Mississippi, but as they start expanding, they built like out. It's like the casinos out, the Walmart out, yeah. everything pulled away from the downtown. So we were thinking, you know, we've been flipping houses forever. Let's just do a building. Yeah. And then we were like, okay, well, let's just get a second building. And then now we have 15. And so now it's like, okay, well, we have 15 buildings at once. All of them have stuff happening at once. 
and we have so much going on, but you know, it, and it was weird as it seems, it feels like that, like a little bit more intimate because people in the downtown, they stop in, they see what you're doing, yeah. they take pictures, they put on social media, they write about you in the paper, like all oh, these people are helping like bring back jobs and income and life into this downtown. So it is really one of the most fun things, like the most, one of the fun things that we've done uh, in our, you know, in our career at this point. And it's like, ah, you know, like how many houses can you flip? Again, once you put two thousand houses, I feel like you've kind of just done it all. <laughs> and that's the thing too, is you're doing something. You're actually helping roots down in a yeah. lot of cases and that stuff. There. And actually, I know Clinton and I. And I've actually modified a couple of loans, or we bought a couple of loans there as part of a portfolio. So I know that, Aaron. Glad to hear that because it is a great, great little town. It does need some life brought back to it. I think so many small towns, and, and I think it's an opportunity for a lot of investors out there. A There's a lot of smaller towns out there that. The downtown areas are so amazing, such architecture and, and history and stories to it that if you can bring life back to it, I think people want to go back to that. They want to shop local yeah. versus the chains and the big things. They want to kind of go back and, and it's a it may be a slower pace of life, life, but you also get a chance to really that slower pace helps you just smell the roses and really kind of. Yep. <sighs> unwind you know what I mean it's not all about doing so many things bigger these days yeah it is and it's funny because as the first building we thought well you know what? We'll, we'll put an antique mall in there that'll get people to start coming down well I don't know anything about running an antique mall I don't even really know what is the antique and what's not but I'm like okay but I can use my real estate sense I got this 8,000 square foot space I'll rent out the spaces people bring in their own items I get someone to run the store how hard could that be Boom, two years later, we got a kick-ass antique store. It's been in awesome. the paper on TV, like all this stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, and I'm like, listen, seriously, I know nothing about the antique business. When I'm in the store and people are asking me questions about items, I just look to the manager, like, I can't even answer your questions. I it's just, just like know, running an office space. It's just, just like running an office space. I the real estate side. I got this many spaces. I rent them for that much. Y'all bring your stuff in. I'll run ads. And then, so then I thought, okay, well, we finished another building, so we put in a clothing boutique. Same thing, just renting spaces. Now we have a marketplace. I'm like, oh, my God, Bill, we have to stop. So now we open a farmer's market. <laughs> and I was like, every time we finish a building, we're sticking a business in there. But, you know, when you end up with 150 vendors, you're helping the whole town thrive, you know. So I was like, okay, I never saw myself owning a bunch of little small businesses, but I do now. So I don't even know how that happened. So um, I just wanted to kind of just digress back because you kind of talked about it anyway. Uh, when you were like a teenager, so you were, so I always like to see what people were thinking as a teenager. Were you like, so you said you were working with your dad and like, what were you thinking in that age? Like, I'm going to work for somebody, be my own boss. Like, what were I'm going to just, I'm crazy. I'm doing drugs. Like, what, what were you doing in your teen years? So I was the guy that employed all my buddies on the weekends to do your mowing yards or clearing brush or building fences, you know, or I was, you know, I, I'd make the joke that I was the slave labor. My dad would have electricians and plumbers come in if they need an extra hand. I would hire myself out and I would go dig ditches or I would go pull pipe or I would, you know, clean out a septic tank or I would work on an ostrich farm. So I was always doing jobs to pay for things in my, my spare time when I wasn't playing sports and then also working in the hardware store. So that's the thing. And if my buddies needed money, they're like, Hey, I need some money. I was like, okay, come work this weekend. You're going to mow some lawns with me, or you're going to go out here and mow and you'll get paid an hourly rate for it. So that's what I've always done. You know, I always thought I'd be, like I said, either my dream was to play college football and I was fortunate enough to do that there, but it was also like, okay, what I want to do. Like I said, I wanted to be a 
sportscaster or business owner and, you know, thought we'd own up owning a bunch of hardware stores and that didn't work out that way. But that's what I like so much about the podcast side of things is really yeah. kind of brought me back to the roots of being that sportscaster announcer. What our, you know, our podcast is syndicated on 17 stations across the country and we got over a million downloads in our four years here on on the niche side of note investing. It's just kind of wow. a crazy thing. So, yeah. You have a million downloads? I think we we surpassed the one and a quarter million download mark uh, last month. And then we've got, I think, over 50 million listeners have listened on the radio station across. Congratulations. Here, I'm like, Thank oh, I got 100,000 downloads. Hey, you know what? That's great. No, don't. That's the thing. You just started off. That's great. That's better. That's You're on a great pace and you're consistent and you're delivering. Content. I got four years experience on you. All right. That's no biggie. Yeah. You're doing a great, you're doing a great job. And if you're listening to this right now, everybody, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Yeah. And make sure to leave a five-star review for Dwan and then share it with at least one person. She's doing an amazing job with the, the, the episodes and everything. Look she's at you, out. building self-esteem in others. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a million. Well, you are my hero because that is I uh, you know, yeah, they always say this many downloads, once you crack this level. Then you crack that level, then and I'm like, okay, I got a hundred thousand. So now that's, I need to get great. a quarter million, then a half, and then when I hit that million dollar, when I hit that million dollar, I'm calling you first. Well, that, that's the thing is when I started my podcast, and I'm like, dollar, ago, a million people. That was a that was a goal. Like, how do I get a million? That sounds like how do you do it? And it's just consistency. You just keep cranking stuff out, and you know, if you I've you know, we crank out about seven hundred episodes. That means I got about thirteen hundred listeners per each episode over time, and that's great. That's what you have to realize, it all starts with one episode. I would be happy if one download, one person listens to my podcast begin with. And that's how you build a movement. That's how you build growth, yeah. how you build confidence is just keep showing up. And, and you never know who's going to listen or who needs to hear what you're sharing out there. Yeah, no, I remember when I hit my first 100, I was like, woo, 100 people. I was just like dancing around the house. Like, Ooh, I got 100. And then when I hit 1,000, I was like, oh my gosh. And then when I hit 100, I was like, oh. You know, so I, I'm I'm still uh, amazed at at every single level. But I really like podcasting. It gives yeah. you a chance to really talk about your business and what you do, and get to know people. Like if I met you at a speaking event, we'd be so busy we might have a drink in the bar for ten minutes, and I wouldn't even get a chance to really get to know you. You know, so I yeah. I, I like this, and I like uh, especially talking to people that do things I'm I super love, like note buying and stuff. I I just I love note buying. It's such a fun, fun, fun thing. So share with us like one of your, it doesn't have to be the most money, but just like one of your best deals just ever in your career where you did that deal and you were like, oh, man, that was awesome. So I'm going to share, I'm going to share the story of Sheila and William Drummond out of South Beloit, Illinois. They had lived in their house for over 18 years and I bought their note and they owed over 60 grand on a house that was worth 35. They took out a mortgage. When values went up, they took pulled a little cash out. They lived in this house. It's a three-bedroom, two and a half bath, sixteen hundred square foot on about two acres you know, outside of the main town there. Yeah. And they were way upside down. They, uh, her husband had a heart attack, and they hadn't. They've been trying to do a loan modification for four years. Their three daughters had grown up in the property, and when we bought it, um, we got the when we saw the collateral file, they had sent in loan modification documents four times. And you know, it's like a loan modification, it's like a short yep. sale file. It's a loan dequalification, basically. For them. Yep. And so I said, but I saw their hardship letter and the, the mortgage had been sold four times before I bought it. Wow. I said, there's a lady here who, there's a family here who wants to stay in a house and they're really pleading with somebody just to help them. And so we bought the note. 
that, you know, like I said, the house was going to be worth 35. They owed over 60. Uh, I bought the note for 12 grand. It's part okay. of a pool thing. So I got it cheap, <clears throat> but I did 33 cents of value, 20 cents on the dollar. What was up? And actually I made the phone call. I picked up the phone. Usually I have our servicing team or our team make the phone calls, the bars and outreach, but I wanted to actually talk to this. So I called her, called him up. She answered the phone and I said, hello, Mr. Drone. My name is Scott Carson. I'm with such and such, you know, inverse asset fund. We just purchased your note from such and such. And you can hear the breath just go out of her. She's like, oh, it's been sold again. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, wait a second. I've seen your loan file. I've looked at all the documents. I know you want to stay in the house. I know you're trying. Could you start making your existing payment of $450 a month? Uh-huh. Yes. She goes, yes, I could. I was like, okay. Could you bring five grand to the table? Because you haven't paid in four years. Right. I know you're upside down, but can you bring some money? She goes, I can't bring five grand. I said, well, could you bring 2,500? She's like, yes, I could bring 2,500. Like, great. Could you pay pay an extra $200 a month for the first 12 months on top of your existing payment? She's like, yeah, I could do that. I said, great, let's do this. I'll tell you what, you bring $2,500 to the closing table or come meet my attorney in not too far from you. Bring $2,500, cash your check to the table. We'll give you 45 days to make your first official payment of existing payment plus the 200. You make your payments for 12 months like that on time. What I will do is I will, at the end of the year, we'll do an appraisal, see what the value of your property is. We'll adjust the the balance on your mortgage. So we'll drop it. If it goes to 40, we'll drop what you owe from 65 down to 40. If it goes to 30, I'll drop it down to 30 for you. And then what I will also do at the end, you make 12 on-time payments, I'll reduce your interest rate to 0%. So every penny you pay goes to principal. So instead of you taking another 33 years to pay off your mortgage, you'll have your house paid off in exactly six years. Wow. And, you know, she was like, are you serious? I'm like, I will, everything will be in writing. It'll be at my attorneys. We'll have the server set up. I just need you to set up an automatic payments. And that lady, she did it. And I, uh, I wasn't there, but when she and her husband showed up at the uh, attorney's office, they both broke down crying, walking out of there. Cause he was still, I mean, he just gotten hired back and they were starting to work again. And that's, those are the kind of stories I love to hear. And, and fast forward about six months into the six, maybe six, nine months, I get a letter from her and it was saying, it was just saying, thank you so much for helping us out. Our eldest daughter just had a, uh, a, a son, you know, I got my first grandson. So we named him Carson after you. Oh my gosh. And, and so, yeah, it's those kind of stories. You know, most Americans want to stay in their houses. I mean, I made great return on it. I paid 12 grand for the note. I mean, I've, paid a million bucks for notes before I've built a dollars, but it's, it's that those one-off deals like that, that, I mean, look, I paid 12 grand. I got 2,500 basically in 30 days. Yep. She's, she's making $650 a month payment. So 650 times 12 comes to like 8,000. I think what I know I'm like 8,000. So I made almost what, almost 80% return on my money. And then she made those payments. The first year. So I made like five times the amount of money, a 500% return on my money over the time frame. And she just paid off it finally, the last payment, like two months ago. And, oh, you know, if she was, if she was going to be a day late, she was like, calling, like, listen, you're good. Just follow through. You don't have to call me a day late. You're not going to lose anything. Just, and, and you know, that's the thing. It's those are the stories we love helping people out there. You know, there's a single mom of four kids in Cleveland, Ohio. She, owed like 35 grand on her house and it wasn't in good shape. I paid a grand for it. It was part of something. I just gave her the house. I said, I don't want to foreclose. It's not worth me. I'm not going to do that here. Merry Christmas in July. You can either, Ah. you know, file that and and go from there. So 
those are some of the stories that we love doing. I mean, and I got a deal right now. A guy owes a million bucks on a house. It's worth seven fifty in, in in Cutler Bay. We're gonna foreclose on this guy because he hasn't paid in three, you know, and roughly actually about uh, about two years. Right. But you know, he had the opportunity. He didn't want to follow through on some things. So that's the thing. I like I said, I can be somebody's really, really their best friend, their knight on a on a white horse if I can. You know, if I, they want to be helped, great. If they don't want to be helped, hey, I, I don't run a charity. You know, I donate yeah, to no, charities. No, I'm with you. Gosh, I love that deal. I know those are the kind of deals that I just feel like sort of just make it all worth it. When you have a family like that, they name their child after. I mean, they their grandkid. Like, I mean, really, what an honor. It, it is totally an honor, and that, and that's the thing is, I, a like lot of people, and that's the thing. A lot of funds, a lot of big companies didn't want that note because it didn't. It wasn't a hundred thousand dollar house. It wasn't in. It particularly doesn't meet a lot of their boxes, and that's the crumbs that fall through a lot of times. This was a yeah. true win-win-win. It win for us, obviously, because a great yeah, return. Win for the borrower. It was actually a win for the seller because they got this off their books and they weren't spending time on it. And it just had kind of got kicked down the road. The cane was yeah. kicked down the road a couple of times, and. You know, there's plenty of Americans out there that need that kind of help in hand these days. And that's what I love about the note industry right now. I know. I've always loved the note industry, but I really love the fact that you guys are just so in it like that. You know, it's just have everything just so automated. And and the fact that you're helping so many people keep houses. That's the whole thing, you know. I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing. That's such a great story. Oh, I just like melts my soul. Sheila and Wayne. All right. Putting them all on our prayer list. So (laughs) tell me, uh, what is your favorite food? Ooh. Do I have to just name one? I like to cook. So, uh, <laughs> and that's the thing about COVID. I'm not traveling as much. I've had a chance to cook more, but I'm a big fan of uh, sushi. You know, Thank sushi's you. great. Mexican food in here in Austin, Texas, and the best Mexican food out here, you know. Uh, but I do have, you know, and there's nothing wrong with a great cheeseburger or chicken tenders is my kind of, you know, <laughs> cheap food, I guess you could say. But. You and I can eat out really easy together because sushi is always my first option, but my yeah. husband doesn't like it. So, so if we go eat together, it's all, I mean, it's always a compromise of something. I mean, he'll go with me, but then he's sort of like, just sort of picking it. He just doesn't like it. I'm like, sushi's my favorite thing. Sushi's, sushi's good. They're, you know, we've got a, a restaurant down the street here that we've become really good friends with the owners and, and they just do a great job. But it was funny. I went in there last night and got food to go and they were like, oh, here, you take drink home for Stephanie. It was her birthday. Take drink home. You know, take a leech there. They throw an extra stuff in. It's just, a, it's. You know, we love it. It's tasty. I'm hungry about an hour later, but <laughs> I eat, I eat uh, just unhealthy amounts of salmon. I think at this point in my life, who is your favorite band of all time? Oh, favorite band of all time. All time. Just one. Uh, Guns and Roses. Oh. God, I love Guns that. and Roses. Yes. Little Axel Rose and Slash. And uh, I've seen him perform a couple. I actually saw him perform twice in Vegas. Um not too long ago, a couple of couple years back in Vegas at the Hard Rock. Well, it's now the Virgin Hotel, but the Hard Rock at the uh, the joint. I love when Guns N' Roses came out. It was like, I felt like rock has sort of, not that it had changed, but it had just, it wasn't the same. Like Guns N' Roses came out. They were like a solid, like a rock band. Yep. I they have a Motley Crue as well, both. I mean, both are like one, two, neck for neck for most of the time. But yeah, I, I love them both. Where is your favorite place? Uh, that you like that you've ever not that you've ever been, but where's your place that when you go to this place, you're just like, I love that would this be, spot. That would be actually my backyard. We don't have a big, huge yard here in Austin, Texas. And with traveling, I was very glad not to have a big backyard. But since we've been home so much, uh, we've converted our backyard really into kind of an oasis, a tropical place. 
with Bert. Now, and it used to be just kind of a, a wall of a small thing here, but now we've converted it. We've got banana palms and we've got all sorts of flowers. I'm growing tomatoes and cucumbers and all sorts of vegetables. And it's just uh, every morning before you and I were on here, that's what I was doing outside, just kind of relaxing. The squirrels are coming up, eating at the feeders and we got all sorts of birds. And I've got those, we've got those uh, wind chimes out there. So it's a great place to kind of center myself every morning. I get up, get the coffee, feed our, our four-legged kids. And then I go sit outside for half an hour and just kind of <sighs> unwind and get ready to rock and roll and, and, and attack the day. That's right. I love that. So, uh, so speaking of centering ourselves at the end of every show, we, uh, I have a thing called the five equities of life. And so my regular listeners know it's, um, financial, spiritual, physical, mental, and family. And I feel like, you know, kind of the, all those pieces put together sort of make us a whole person. And yep. I know that people can get really distracted and be, you know, too into this and sacrificing over there. So I always like to give out a, a life equity and an assignment. And all my wonderful people know that I just ask them to do it for a week. And if they like it, keep it. And if they don't, that's okay, because at least they did something for a week that just kind of shakes up their system a little bit. But I like our guests to honor us with that. So uh, what is our life equity? And I, and, every, and just so you know, I really don't ever find out until right now when you say it. So yep. everybody's watching, I go, well, she has to know ahead. I, I really don't. I want to hear it. Just like everybody else is going to hear, I want to hear it for the first time. So what's our equity, what section, and what's our assignment? The equity, it would be your mental, your well-being, and the assignment is to not watch, not listen or watch the news for a week. Get rid of your cable. I mean, we got rid of cable. We got rid of, yeah, we got rid of cable over a year ago now and stopped watching the news. I mean, I'll, I'll get on USA Today or CNN back and forth a little bit to see both sides, but stop watching the news. It is not... It's not there for you. It's programmed. I hate to say this, but it's 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 not news. It's kind of it's programmed, not. and it's when you look at all the different channels around, but they're all saying the same thing, and they're not all centric. So stop watching the news if you're dealing with anxiety and stress about COVID and all the shots or travel and things like that or political stuff. Do yourself a favor and stop watching that stuff. Stop yeah. reading it. D- delete it off, or just spend seven days instead of an hour of watching news. Spend seven days outside, just relaxing, go for a walk, do something. You you will notice a big difference at the end of seven days. I love it. I you know it's so that is so true. Is the news is just nothing but negative. The world's blowing up. We're all dying. It's all horrible. And then like you walk outside, it's like okay, well, I feel like things look okay around me, but the news keeps you. I know good one. That's the that's the first time anyone's ever given that one. And I like that, and I 100% agree with that. And just tell us one more time how people can reach you. It's really easy. You can go to our main uh, website, weclosenotes.com, and check out all the things that we've got going on, whether it's our podcast or classes or things like that. And if you want to, you can always go to talkwithscottcarson.com and schedule a 30-minute phone call. I'm always glad to bend an ear and and help people educate a little bit more about notes or share with them the the power of uh, being in the paper game. And do you have have some sort of a... um, a program. I do. I, I teach I teach different workshops and I, I'd love to do that. If you, uh, I have a one day workshop that I teach that's a kind of an intro to note investing and we call it note weekend. If you go to noteweekend.com, it's normally 49 bucks. We give over a thousand bonuses. It's one day of me teaching. It's always the third Saturday of the month. If you type in Dwan's name, D-W-A-N, you'll get it for free. Hey, I love free stuff and yeah. I super love notes. And so I'm telling you guys, 
You want to get into the uh, new fun arena of the real estate investing you've not heard about notes before? This is not the, you got to have the million dollars to invest with hedge funds. This is like real note buying. This is what yeah. real investors do. Yep. All right, so Scott, I'm going to do a little summary and see if we have been able to get inside the mind of Scott <laughs> Carson today. So you have to tell me how I did. All right, okay. so you are the note guy. You've been, you're 44, you're living in Austin. You have uh, done over a billion dollars worth of notes. You've been doing it for about 13 years. You have been con uh, compared to Chuck Woolery from The Matchmaker, <laughs> which I love that. And you are in Texas. When you were young, you were mowing, doing brush, working on uh, uh, just anything with your dad. And your best deal was Sheila and Wayne, which is a really a great deal. And you're able to help them uh, actually pay off and keep that their house. Did college football, got a business degree. You just bought an awesome package for forty five hundred. Uh, house is bought it. I, I haven't the bought them. I'm looking at them. I haven't bought them. Looking at it. Okay. And you love sushi. You love Guns and Roses. <laughs> and your favorite place is your backyard, when that's where your happy spot is in your soul. And you want us to do a mental equity and not watch any news for the week. And you have an amazing podcast. You're on 17 stations. You have over a million downloads. And you are just rocking along in the note business. Got it. Sounds about right. Is that about right? And you're a super nice guy. I've been called that. I, ha I have my I have my moments, as they, we like to say. Uh, I think we all have our moments. But you know what? You really are. You really have a good heart. I really love your heart. And you have a good spirit. And the fact that, that you're also dedicated to helping people, I think that makes you special. Well, I was very, very fortunate. Uh, Back prior to getting into banking, but getting into notes and being an investor, I flopped, fell flat in my face, and I was able to get out of that. And had you know, learning the note business, I had a mentor along the way for four years that taught me. And I always made a conscious effort that if I could make it, you know, make it or get to where I could help people, it was one of the big things that I give back. So, nice. uh, the good Lord answered my prayers and helped, got me out of a bad situation, got my ass out of a sling, and I'd like to try to give back as best I can. <laughs> Yay. All right, guys. So um, so thank you for being a guest on the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. And everyone, you know, Scott and I both run podcasts. So we uh, appreciate you giving us five stars. We appreciate you writing reviews for us because part of what we do is to help educate you and help you all make more money and be more successful in whatever area of real estate investing that you're in. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you have not jumped into the no side of things, this is your guy right here. And you will love it. It is. It, now that we're talking, I'm like, gosh, I want to buy some notes again. I, I haven't done it for a minute. I've been so occupied with my buildings, but it is super fun. So, um, so do you have like a parting word of wisdom? Uh, the only thing that you guarantee by not taking action is failure. So if you're sitting on the sidelines wanting to do something, go take action. You'll learn more by actually taking action. If you fail, guess what? Good for you. You're on that first step to success. <laughs> Amen. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. Again, thank you, Scott, so much. I, I really enjoyed getting inside that mind of yours. And everyone, remember that the truth is in the red letters. And we'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Ciao, everybody. Goodbye, Scott. Thank you again, honey. Wow, wow, wow. How much fun did you just have? You listened to the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. Hey, do me a favor. If you love just one thing about the show, if you laugh, if you learn something, 
Leave a five-star review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Don't forget, next week, same bat time, same bat channel.